Assalamu alaikum. You are listening to Momming Well Muslim, a podcast designed with the Muslim American parent in mind, addressing how to raise Muslim American kids born into a post 9 11 world. We will cover topics ranging from potty training to politics, and no topic is off limits. Along with our expert guests, we'll discuss what's new in the Muslim American diaspora or just what's new at our own kitchen tables. Join us, Zeba Hassan, Nuzma Jafri, who have a combined eight kids and 25 years of parenting experience, as well as just enough crazy between them while they pioneer this journey we call Momming Wall Muslim. Assalamualaikum, everyone. This is Ozma Jafri with another episode of Mommy One Muslim podcast. Uh, my co-host Zeba Hassan will be following up next week with another special episode because we thought we would do something super different, super special for you today. I have on the show a very special guest who's going to introduce himself. What's your name? I am Osman, and I am ten years old now. And how do I know you, Osman? I'm your son. Oh, okay. This is my number two son who could hold it together enough today to educate us a little bit uh, on a very important topic. This is something that um, Zeba and I have talked about at length, and so we will be uh, bringing two special episodes to you, um, starting with today, and the topic that Osman is going to discuss with us is... What Muslim American kids with their mom wish their moms knew wish their moms knew so there is an overarching theme um but what we'll do is work through i think it's uh five or six points that osman came up with and he thought that parents should know so what's your number one um, thing that you wish your muslim american mom knew so beating your kids normally won't help them learn okay that's good advice because that's actually, we have tried and tested this, and beating your kids doesn't work. Um, a lot of times, uh, those of us who were raised in a different generation were raised with different parenting practices, and um, there's a lot of baggage that comes with those parenting practices. And I have to admit that this was something that I brought from my experience into my current experience as a parent, and regretfully, um, I have come to know that it is very traumatic, both for parents, especially for kids. And you're just um, re-entering the world of trauma. You haven't worked out your own trauma, I find is usually the case. And it was after several years of counseling and therapy that I realized what I was bringing to my parenting. And I didn't want to anymore. I wanted to break the cycle of violence. And so I really appreciate that without any kind of coaching at all, Osman came up with this on his own because in reality, every time I've spanked, it's never worked, has it? No. Because what effect does it have on you? How do you feel? I just feel sad and depressed. Like my parents don't love me or anything. Right. They're just beating me. Yeah. And you know that your parents love you a lot. They just don't have all the tools to be good parents, but they're learning, right? Yeah. Okay. What's the number two thing that you wish your Muslim American mom knew? To stop pressuring, not specifically just me, but all of our, all of my brothers and sisters so much. Okay, what kind of pressures do you feel? I feel like when I'm getting ready in the morning and dressed and packing my lunch and all that stuff, you tend to stress me a lot. Same with my homework and getting us to eat, ordering us, and going to bed a lot. Okay. So, um, 
I kind of like, I really appreciate that because I know kids feel a lot of pressures, especially your age at 10. It's really hard now because you have your own opinions and you have your own schedule. And the only reason that I think this is funny is because in the mornings, who wants to leave late for school every day? You. Me, right? Okay. Who wants to leave before the school gate opens? Me. You, right? Okay. And who actually packs your lunches? You. Okay, so I'm a little bit confused about why you feel pressured to get ready on time or get to school on time or pack your lunch when you're not doing any of those things. I think that's a little ironic, don't you? Sure. Okay, so what else do you feel pressured? Homework, right? Okay, so who feels more pressure for homework, you or me? Me. Okay, because what does Ami think about homework? I don't really know. Yeah, Ami doesn't care about homework, right? Ami does not think it's important. And what do you have to do every time there's a project? Like, you want to do it as soon as you get the assignment, right? And Ami's like, yeah, whatever, right? Maybe is that the pressure that you're feeling, that Ami is taking your project too lightly and not as seriously as you are? Uh, Yes. So, like, you're not taking time to, like, help me? Yeah. Ami doesn't like projects and homework because, as a former teacher, she doesn't think that it's all that important. Um, But I get it. It's important to you, and um, you like to get stuff done early, and maybe that's something that Ami can help with, is start working on your project early rather than at the last minute like we always do, um, because you don't like it. Um... What else did we say? Going to bed. You feel a lot of pressure going to bed. Tell me why. Because you don't want to go to bed. Yeah. Right? Exactly. What do you think is happening? What is What magic are Ami and Abu up to or what adventures are they having for two hours while you guys go to bed? Movies. Movies. Okay. So that's really what you're missing out on. Why do you think Ami and Abu care so much that you get um, sleep? So we don't wake up grumpy and we can actually do things so we're not just sleeping. Um, so that you get enough rest, so that your body has time to grow, so that, you know, you turn down your energy so that you have enough for the next day. Good. Yeah. All right. Let's go on to point number three. Point number three is don't do things you don't want your kids to do or learn. Right. So basically this goes back to things that Zebahala and Ami have talked about on previous podcasts, which is model good behavior for your kids. Um, can you give us some examples of things that uh, Ami does or doesn't do but she does or doesn't want her kids to do them uh like swearing for example like swearing okay Ami does swear a lot yes yes indeed she does um but she doesn't like it when her kids do it huh yeah and is it okay for muslims to swear whether they're grown-ups or kids no no it is wrong so maybe you can help Ami stop cussing we've tried that before with the swear jars but that hasn't worked, oh. so we'll have to come up with something yeah. else, like a red card or something. You can yellow card and red card on me. How's that? Um, what is point number four? Point number four is to stop threatening us. Like, it makes us feel sad and unloved because you're telling us you're going to break our legs if we do so and so on. So threats are something also, um, this is baggage that we carry over sometimes from the way we were raised because we were told... I'm going to cut your tongue out, or I'm going to skin you alive, or I'm going to... Yeah, I know, you're making this face like you're horrified, but those were actual things that we heard growing up. 
and we thought that our parents would do these things to us if we didn't listen to them. And this is not a great parenting technique. Unfortunately, this is an Ummi's toolbox and Ummi has to unlearn some of these things. And I think that that is very good advice that threats do not work. Do you think that Ummi actually means what she says when she says she's going to break your legs if you leave the house or don't come home by Maghrib time? It depends. It depends. Yeah. Because Ummi has actually said, if you do this one more time, get out of my car and she's pulled over on the road and had you get out of the car. Okay. Um, things not to do as a parent. I think that's really good advice. Moving on. Point number five. Point number five is don't overwork us. So like, don't make us do stuff that you can do yourself. Okay. Can you give me an example? Like go get you a water bottle. To go get me a water bottle, even though that, you know, in the Sunnah, giving somebody water is like a good deed for you. So it's not that Ami and Abu are asking for water so that your good deeds increase. It's because they're lazy. Yeah. I mean, you know, I promise you 10 times out of 10, it's because they're really lazy to do it. Um, That sounds good. But then what about eating your own food? I'm interested to know, like... How come you're not making your own dinner? Packing your own lunch? Because you don't let me use the stove, first of all, if I want to make, like, a pizza or something. You can totally use the stove. You don't let me. I will totally let you. You've never asked. Because I'm afraid to ask because I think you're obviously going to say no. No, I'm not obviously going to say no. Are you kidding me? I hate cooking. Anytime you want to take over dinner, please feel free. Please feel free to prepare dinner for this family. Because if you're capable of doing it, I would love for you to do it. I think that is awesome. Good. We've come to um, a really, really good negotiation there and a potential for growth. What's point number six? Uh, point number six is the last point in its cooling temper. And this is really good advice for everybody, right? In the family, not just for Muslim moms, but for Muslim kids. Why do you think it's important for moms to cool their tempers? So that they... It basically ties around with um, number three. So when you get a temper, kids can sometimes see that you're holding on a temper and they might do that too. Right. So if a mom has a bad temper, that's going to be behavior that their kids are going to learn. So is that why you think sometimes you lose your cool because you've seen Ami lose her cool so often? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sorry for that. And I will work on my cool. Um, do you remember some of the advice Prophet would give us for losing our cool? No. No. So drink water, change your position, which means if you're standing, sit down. If you're sitting, then lie down. And then make wudu. Those are good things. And then always um, you have the option of praying. I thought these six points were really good to talk about because some of them go back to our um, family mission statement and our family rules. Do you remember these growing up? Yes. Yes. You didn't think they were really fun when you were little. No. No. Actually, you did. You memorized these and you would recite them in the car and whenever I asked and you thought it was really cute. So, and I thought you were adorable when you said these things. Uh So I have them printed out. Do you want to read the, our family mission statement? Yes. Okay. Our family will love Allah and each other always. We will be peaceful when we pray, learn, speak, and play. Okay. And then what we came up with some family rules. They were easy. You know, when my kids were little, we thought we would make things super duper easy, super duper easy to memorize. We made kind of like a sing song that we would do in the car back and forth on this. So what's rule number one? I'll be gentle with my body and my words. 
What's rule number two? I share and care. Three? I pick it up, I put it back. And four? I do my own work. I do my own work. So I feel like there's renditions of each of these rules in the six points that you gave me. So I feel like these family rules are super important for every family. Do you agree? Yes. Yes. Why are rules a good idea? Because they help keep your fa family on like a straight line so they don't get like off balance and basically so we make good choices yeah, right so we can function a little like bit that. better yeah we want to understand as a family always how we can function better and um grow right so i feel like what you wanted parents to know these six points can kind of be summed up in these family rules so um, I feel like maybe we should frame this and put this up because it's been a long time since we've had these. What happened to the first poster that I made of this? It apparently got ripped down the wall by someone named me. Someone named you. Okay, that was a long time ago. And then Ami was like, I'm never printing anything nice for these kids again. And she gave up. And so we probably need to reinstitute this. Now, I wanted to ask you uh, a few questions. Uh, Muslim American kids right now, now, all of the, the things that you thought that moms should know, I feel like this could be to any mom. This isn't just moms who are Muslim, right? Okay. So as a Muslim American mom of a Muslim American kid, what I want to know is what do you think is the hardest thing about being a Muslim kid in America right now? Um, having to read Quran a lot. Having to read Quran, yes. I know this is a big problem for you. Can you explain to us why? Because... It really stresses me out that, like, when uh, having fun or playing with my neighbors outside, uh, instantly I have to, like, come in and read Quran. I do it, like, from Monday through Friday, and it's really stressful because my Quran teacher is forcing me to recite all this. And your Quran teacher's online. Yeah. Yeah. And how long do you read every day? Uh, I range from about 5 to 20 minutes. 5 to 20 minutes. It's more like 10 to 20 minutes. Yeah. 5 so. days a week. Yeah. So, um, you don't like leaving, playing with your friends, or playing on your own to go read for on. Yeah. Okay. How could Ami make that a little bit easier or better for you, besides stopping the lessons? Booking the lessons on different times, maybe, or... That's a good one. We yeah. could change the times. But the problem is he's on the other side of the world in Pakistan. We're over here. It's like a 12-hour difference. You're in school during the day. So that makes it a little bit tough, right? Yeah. yeah. So you see some of the things that Ami has to work around to try to get your lessons in. Because then you have soccer or piano or science club. So we have to work around those schedules. It makes it a little bit difficult. So that's why Ami's making some of the choices that she's making for the family. Does that make sense? Kind of. Kind of. Okay. All right. So when you're in school, do you feel like it's hard to be a Muslim kid? Like, do you ever feel left out? Do you ever feel bullied? No, do not you, a lot. Do you ever feel different than the other kids? Sure. Sure. Can you explain why? Is it because you're a Muslim or for other reasons? I don't really know. You don't really know. Okay. Um, have you ever had anybody bully you or leave you out? of things because they thought something different about what you look like or what you believe? 
No, because okay. I have a lot of friends. Because you have a lot of friends. Okay. Do you feel like your teachers and your friends support you no matter what you look like or what you believe or yep. what you do? Yeah. Okay. What's your favorite thing to do? Um, play soccer. Play soccer. What position do you play? Uh, I play all positions because I'm good. I say I'm not the best at goalie, but I can do okay. And I basically play midfield. Basically play midfield. Okay. Um, and what do you like least about being a kid? I have to do a lot of work for my parents. Like what? Like turning off the light switch, Getting turning on the fan. Them. You have to get food for us? Yeah, Daddy, he, he, he always telling me to get chips if we have them. Okay, so I do have to let you know when uh, we were trying to have kids, Abu was like, he was like, I don't, it doesn't matter to me, but Ami really, really wanted to have kids. And the way she convinced Abu was, she said, listen, if we have kids, We'll have these tiny little slaves that can give you the best little foot massages and back massages and they will get stuff for us and abu was like really okay <laughs> so that's why when you guys were like two and three years old he was like are they ready to give me foot massages yet are they ready and so you dimwits give him massages every night like that's why he had you <laughs> so that he would have his own personal army of massage therapists at home he loves it, and he loves you, um, but that's why we ask you to do a lot of stuff. And remember that anytime we help somebody, that we are getting uh, brownie points. Our angel is recording our good deeds, so maybe you could think of it like that. And at the same time, I understand what you're saying, that if we are capable of doing things, we should, because as Muslims, we should know that we rely only on Allah, on God, and not on other people to fulfill our needs but honestly it's literally out of laziness and extreme tiredness because remember that abu starts work at 7 30 in the morning and he doesn't get home at 6 30 how many hours is that of work um, if it was 7 30 to 7 30 how four, many hours would it be 11 he works 11 hours a day yeah. right so that's a long time all right even at school you have recess and you have lunch he doesn't get a recess and he doesn't get a lunch so he's working really hard he does and get that's lunch yeah, no, he eats Twizzlers on a break. He doesn't really eat lunch. So, um, what does Abu do for work, just so that we can... Uh, I find this really funny. He's a dentist, but he lives his life off Twizzlers. He loves Twizzlers, yeah. You and know. everybody. That's probably why he's a dentist. That's good. Um, so, uh, not to backbite our da your dad, because we love your dad, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um He's asking us to do stuff, not because he's relying on human beings, but because he's physically so tired. And maybe, maybe that's why, do you understand why Ummi even will like give him stuff on the couch and he doesn't really do anything when he comes home after work because he's so tired? Yeah. Yeah. And maybe Ummi's doing it because literally she wants the good deeds for taking care of somebody who's taking care of his family. Right? Okay. Just to review, I think it's really important for us to, um, talk to our kids and meet them in the middle somewhere. And my kids are like, I guess I have a tween. I don't like calling him that. I still use the old fashioned pre-adolescent term. Um, and he failed the pre-interview. So he was not interviewed today. Maybe we'll bring him back if Ziba convinces me to. Um, I used my middle child or my number two in command. And, um, 
I really wanted to hear, you know, the thought processes of our kids and what they think is important and what they want us to know as Muslim Americans. And what it turns out is I don't think any kid, whether you picked him out of a church, masjid, a synagogue, any temple would say anything different. So the things that our kids want from us are pretty universal and that's a good thing. Um, the concerns that he has about reading Quran, I guess that is specific to Muslim kids, but I don't think that would be very different from a kid who, you know, I grew up having a best friend who had to church, uh, attend church three times a week. And so he was very heavily influenced by his parents who were um, very hardcore Christian and he didn't like it. Um, so I feel like even that is a universal complaint of children who grow up in families of faith or faithful families. Um, that doesn't concern me too much. What I do want to bring attention to is having um, a family mission statement and rules. This was something that was really important to us when we first started having our family. And we just kind of sat down and came up with these very easy things. Uh, what Osman recited for you today um, on this little poster board that I've got. Um, and I feel like all of the things he wanted me to understand went back to that mission statement and went back to those family rules. Because as it turns out, once that initial poster was torn and shredded and came down off the wall where I had put it so many years ago, I kind of gave up too. And I lost that mission statement. I lost that um, end goal, um, what I wanted our family to look like and how I wanted it to operate. And so was swimming uphill for a very long time. And I feel like going back to this, putting this back up and going back to these basics that are important for our family. And remember that your mission statement and your family roles are probably going to look different um, from family to family, from age to age. And certainly this is something that could be revised. I find that it's still applicable to mine. So I will probably post the same exact thing up and we will use it again. And inshallah, improve ourselves, God willing, um, so that the next time we do this, maybe next year with the kids, that um, these six points will be moot and we will have six more things that we can improve on. Um, until next week, alaikum. Thanks again for joining Zeba and Uzman Momming While Muslim today. Please email us your thoughts or questions and follow us on Facebook and Instagram because this podcast was designed to cater your needs. Make sure you check out the show notes to find the links and resources for this episode. And remember to help a mama out and leave a review of the show as well as to like it on your podcast app of choice because that helps us grow. Tune in next week for another episode of Mommy While Muslim. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. Mm-hmm.